salvation. I'm sorry, four salvations and four rededications on that book. And so it's always great to see that and see people being charged and recharged, etc. Some of our staff, uh, we went to a Grove uh, co- uh, sorry, conference at the same church there in Birmingham, Alabama. That was huge. So was a lot of, re- of recharge for me as well. I kind of finished my sabbatical with that. And so I, I really enjoyed that. I also want to say thank you to everyone who stepped up and did so much. Our senior staff, they're rock stars. I mean, they're, they're world class. I'm telling you, they are uh, the best. And uh, all the communicators that stepped up and spoke. Each weekend we had nine communicators, ten messages, five weekends. And that was awesome that we had them all in-house. That's huge. And I think the best of the best was 9 a.m. last Saturday, last Sunday. I don't know if you made it, but this girl over here was on fire. The things were coming off of me that didn't belong to me. And 
I had attached myself and unknowingly, and when we live life and not understanding freedom and time, having time with the Lord, all of a sudden we think we are somebody we're not until God begins to reveal who we are. And that's when we start to live right there. So I'm going to invite you to this, but I also want to invite you to watch this video for a family that found freedom through our Freedom Conference years ago. Hey everyone, my name's Corey, and I just want to tell you about my experience with the Freedom Conference. My first Freedom Conference was last year, and I went in feeling like I was the only person who had been through and felt the things that I had. And I got so much out of last year's conference. I ended up getting friends who had been through the exact same experiences, and I actually met with somebody the following Monday, and we have been friends ever since. You are not the only person who feels alone, or the way that you do, and you're definitely not the only person who has been through the things that you have. I invite you to join us for our Freedom Conference this year. You can register online at livewithpurpose.church. What you did to get you here can't get you there. 
So I want to bring some highlighters to this situation, this issue, this reality for every one of our lives. And so he visits Exodus 34, 5 and 9 and says this, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him. So he came down, he visited, this is talking about Moses, and visiting Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love. We got it to thousands. We got to remember God's full of love. He's full of mercy. He's full of patience. Slow to anger. But he visits. Maintaining love and thousands of forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Moses had a proper response. He bows down and he worships. He says, Lord, I submit to whatever it is that you're about to say. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Wise words. Although this is the this is a symptomatic people, he wouldn't be talking about any of you. This is some of the Hebrew. Forgive our wickedness and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Forgive us, Lord. Our wickedness. Our sin, he's in this posture of worship. I make all out surrender. Whatever you say, Lord, please identify what won't get us into the promised land. Help reveal what it is that got us into bondage in the first place. Help, help reveal what has become normal in the generations while we were in Egypt in bondage, while we were under such oppression. Lord, help us to what we have now grown accustomed to and we are now more comfortable with than following you, Lord. I said what we are more comfortable with than following you, Lord. Amen. And take us as your inheritance. Nothing but blessing. Forgive us. Identify what can't go forward. Tell us the truth. Reveal in us. Heal our hearts. Be patient with us. And let our lives just be a blessing to you. But showing, oh sorry, Deuteronomy 5, 8, and 10. Deuteronomy says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or on earth beneath. An image. An image is anything you create to be real. And maybe it's in your imagination. This is where we get our word. Oh, you you imagine yourself to be this way. Or it's more worried, you're more worried about your appearance. Or what people think about you. Or your success is your imagine, what you imagine, what you get life from that is not made to get life, rather than going to God to get the very life and love that you were created for. This is any image that sets itself up against God. And he says, don't make yourself, yourself or any image in the form of anything in heaven, above, or in earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, God. New Testament would say that he's jealous, he, longs, he jealously longs to be in relationship with the spirit that he placed within you. He's jealous for your attention. He's jealous for your love. He's jealous for your ministry, by the way. He's jealous for you. 
God and punishing the children for the sin of the parents. Oh, what? You mean I gotta deal with what they did? What is this? To the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now you do the math. You got two parents, you got two parents, you got two parents, you got two parents. That's a lot of that's a lot of stuff. That's a heavy weight if I think about it. But you know the boot you, the beauty with God? Nothing's heavy when we come to God, because all ye who are weary and heavy laden come to me, I will give you rest. When we try to do it on our own, we try to stop our own sins and the sins of those who have gone before us in and of ourselves, it becomes heavy, it becomes weary, it becomes very religious, it becomes tradition, it becomes rote. But when we just come to the Father, He releases us from those things, and all of a sudden, what was inside really comes to life. This is really easy. Ezekiel, let me move on. Ezekiel 18, 20 says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. Okay, well now I'm not going to share. Nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them. Here's what he's saying. A generation does something. The next generation struggles with the temptation of that thing. But when that generation chooses the righteous path in Christ, that righteousness is created, is credited towards that generation. And when he properly handles the, the iniquities and the temptations, it also comes back and releases from the previous generation. That's right. This is the beauty of redemption. This is the beauty of restoration. And this is the beauty of God's patterns and His plan. And I'm going to tell you what these patterns look like in a little bit. You saw Moses say, forgive us and our ancestors. Because God can forgive those who have gone before us when we, when a, when a generation is willing to stand firm and practice God's patterns. So the sins of the Father are not necessarily punished in the Father's life, in the parent's life. But rather, watching their children grow up with the same struggles or temptations or sin that the parents either hid or refused to surrender to the Lord. Or the grandparents, or the great-grandparents, or the great-great-grandparents. This is where tradition of men start to come about. For some, somewhere, holiness became about what I don't do rather than who I come to. This is why Paul says, it's not about what you don't do. It don't, don't, it don't live by the traditions of men. It is truly about coming to the Lord, confessing, releasing, worshiping, and saying, Lord, whatever it is that you identified, I don't want it. So he visits. I don't know if you've heard of this, but what's in the heart of one generation is in the hands of the next generation. That's good, yeah. What one generation is doing and living out and promoting culturally was already in the heart that had gone before. There's things that were no way accepted or even allowed in public that are being manifested into the world right now. The adverse is there was such religion and rote bondage in homes of force instead of love God's way that it manifested a rebellion that is looking like what we see now. It's one of two things that are allowing and purposing this thing right now. Big God can't heal, by the way. That's the beauty. There's no shame. There's no guilt. 
For those of you in Christ, he can heal it all. And it's his plan to heal it all. So the Father comes in and sits with us and says, hey, I love you. The things you've been doing, that's not who you are. Can we talk about that? And he's just looking for space and room to speak in, to start to identify, here's where that started. Here's where that came from. Here's why you struggle with that. That's not yours. But can we talk about it so that you don't continue to struggle with that? Or he comes in and he says, hey, can we talk about that lie you've been believing? Because I have a different narrative for you. There's nothing like whenever the Holy Spirit comes in and delivers the voice of the Father and says, Hey, that thing that you're running from, that's a lie. It's not even real. Would you just come to me and let me reveal the truth? In a moment, freedom is found if you discover who you really are. So God visits, and then number two, God loves. Again, Numbers 14 is repeated. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. For some reason, somewhere, it was portrayed that God is always angry and he can't wait to beat you. And we don't realize the truth that he is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And his desire is to forgive all sin and all acts of rebellion. And when we get that mindset, we start to understand God is loving me. He's for me. I can come to him. He won't hurt me when I open up to him. He's actually going to forgive this sin that I've been struggling with and my rebellious attitude. When we get that, there's no fear. The relationship's not driven by fear. The interaction's not driven. It's not transactional anymore. It's intimate. We serve a God who abounds beyond this time of, 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 of generation. He sees them eternally. And so he calls unto us with mercy and love and grace and truth. And he desires intimacy. And he's asking, will you let go of every image that you have about life? Every idol that you find security and safety in? Everything that you imagine to get protect yourself with your responses of your imagination. Would you let me in and start to really set you free so I can deliver you unto your real self? Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And get this, maintaining And forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Maintaining love to thousands. This second principle is the heart of the gospel. Being discipled by God requires putting off sinful patterns of our family of origin and relearning how to do life God's way in Jesus' family. Boy, this takes time. Because I've really got to saturate and sit down with God. And i got to think about the ways that I grew up and the things that have gone on in my, the generations past in my home. The things that I, the way I make decisions and why I make decisions and when this happens, why I respond this way. And I've got to be in that space and spend time with the Lord and allow Him to speak in to every issue that doesn't line up with 
Word of God. Because, because the fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. Why don't I have joy? Well, let the Lord highlight that. It's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness, and it's self-control. Lord, why don't I have any of these things? He'll show you, and he'll start to draw it out. It's not that it's not inside of you. It's that it hasn't been watered and revealed so that it can bear fruit. And that's in that space is where he begins to bless. And the great news of Christ is that your biological family of origin does not determine your future. God does. What has gone before you is not your destiny. God is proclaiming destiny over you. He's, he's trying to call out to get your attention to free you from your past so that you can walk in the fullness of who he's created and called you to be. The most significant language in the New Testament of being a Christian is that we've been adopted into the family of God. It's a radical new beginning. It's hard set on our human logical minds because it comes to a spiritual formation of what he is trying to lead us towards to bless us. When we place our faith in Christ, we are spiritually reborn by the Holy Spirit into the family of Jesus and God becomes our father. That means our sins are canceled. They're forgiven. We have been given a new name, a new inheritance, freedom, hope, glory, and the resources of heaven. This is blessing. We appropriate the canceled sin by faith, but we have to walk in the new self, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is regenerating us to be. And that regeneration comes from time with the Father so he can identify these generational struggles so that they don't continue in the generations that come along. And when we place our faith in Christ, we receive these things. Mark 3, Mark 3 31 and 35, Jesus says it this way, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him. And they told them, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brother? Who are you talking about? He's capturing their attention. He's like, what is he about to say next? Then he looked in the seat, those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my brothers. Here are my mother. Whoa. Whoa, what are you saying? He's beginning to shift some paradigm a little bit. Wait a minute. Don't. Who are you talking about, Mary? Joseph? Now, my brother's my mother right here. Let me tell you, I, I lead my kids in such a way where I have, I have steward fathership so that one day they'll find the father. My main goal is to lead them to him in such a way in my brokenness that they, when they find him, they will love him and I can get out of the way and now I can be their brother and their sister. Well, the last thing I want to do is be their hindrance because I put a ceiling, a cap on them of what I think they should do. He's their father. I can only make it so far. I'm hoping that they will launch off the, the, my ceiling, which is their floor. It is my main goal to do the best that I can do to make sure that I don't hinder their relationship with the loving father. 
So I got to do some generational work right here in the midst of, of today. When I sit down and spend time with the Lord, when I go through the 21 days of prayer, when I'm in the presence of God, I'm doing some generational work. I'm being regenerated continually by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the next generation matters. And why? Because you matter. And you are the one I give you is an overflow of what I get from the Father. And so you're my brothers, you're my sisters, you're my mother, you're my father, you're my sons, you're my daughter, you're my family. I remember when the Lord brought this to my attention about 13 years ago. I'm sitting there and he challenges me with this very thing. And I'm like, what? And he was trying to lift me above the, the expectation. Real or false? The culture, the understanding, maybe bondage, maybe not, lifting me up to where I can see him as father, follow him as father, because there's some things that are going to have to happen in life, and if I'm held back by my human father and mother, then I'm not going to be able to fully walk in the direction and the authority and the power and the passion that the Lord is at, is calling me to. I will always be subjecting what God says to human authority. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Remember, he blesses a thousand generations of those who follow his commandments. Who does the will of the Father, this is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus declared that the church for the believer is now the first family. <coughs> Start to challenge the things. I don't know how to do that, Lord. How am I going to get there? In an ancient world, Jesus was extremely, it was extremely important to honor mother, honor, honor father. None of that changes. But he was clear, very clear, unapologetically clear that anyone who loves mother and father And the unit and that loyalty must be to him first, and the overflow is the mother and father, and the rest of the family gets blessed by your passion and loyalty to Jesus and Jesus alone. Heartstrings. Lots to think about. Some of us find identity in our family. Some of us are overly dependent. On our spouses, lost in our children, escaped in our children, avoid life in our children. Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Can I, can I help you see what he's saying? He's not saying, hate your mother, hate your father, hate your son, hate your daughter, hate your brother, hate your... He's not saying that. He's saying, the things that I say, the principles that I, I, I command, the patterns that I'm asking you to live, they must be more valuable than the culture in which you grew up in. And when they are more valuable, when he can bless the path that he's called you to, that he's created, he's destined for you, and then he blesses the rest of your family. 
And this is how we become free to be family. Judgment and criticism fall away. Broken relationships and soul wounds go away because we're committed to Christ first. No, this is Christ's pattern. This is what Christ says. This is how Christ says to do it. Well, this is how my family used to deal with it. I don't care. Here's what the Word of God says. Well, here's what we do in these situations. I don't care. Here's what the Word of God says. Well, here's what Daddy always did. And if Daddy did it, Grandpa did it, and I'm going to do it myself. Well, good luck with that. Because here's the way the Word of God says to do it. And when you will stand on what the Word of God says, and your Father in Heaven says, and you will be steadfast and persistent, the promises in the Word, and the promise for me is you will see fruit start to bear in every relationship, in every situation that you were before submitting to for the sake of not, not ruffling feathers in those relationships. I promise you. Yes. Yes. And every one of us then has to look at the brokenness and sin of his or her family family culture. Like we got to take a realistic look and really challenge the way that we grew up and the way we were brought up. Can I tell you that as kids, we love our parents no matter what. And we're always like, mm, it's okay, you didn't do anything wrong. Because they don't know any better. They don't know and understand the harm that they've been placed under. They don't understand the chaos and the lack of emotional connection that they, were, they grew up under. It's all they knew. What do you expect? The problem is that few of us have reflected honestly on the impact of our family of origin. We haven't, if you were to get a, a geneogram and start tracking the issues and the problems from grandfather and great grandfather and great grandmother, what they struggled with, what they dealt with, what was passed on to the next generation, I promise you, I promise you, you will see a thread that's consistent all the way to you. But somebody has to take a stand. Somebody's got to choose differently. Somebody has to say, nope, not thy will, but God's will. Not their will, but his will. Somebody's going to have to make a difference. And we can't change what we're unaware of. You can act like it's not there. You can say, I've been getting along with it, away with it. You can say all those things, but eventually it's going to cause so much frustration. It will catch up with you, and eventually you have, will have to make yourself aware. Or you will live in bondage all of your life. And in many ways, the longer we walk with God, the more levels of how our past impacted us become clearer. And the closer we walk with God, the more he starts to, he, he lovingly wants to drive that stuff out of us. And we got to decide, are we going to fight to be the old man, or are we going to release unto God to become the new man? But you can't have both. Because we can't defend, well, this is how God made me, when he says, no, you have to be born again to follow Christ. Well, I was born this way. Well, be born again. Somebody needed to hear that because you've been defending the old man. You're in here regenerated in a new man confessing Christ and the Holy Spirit's trying to work some stuff out of you. But instead of walking in the newness of who he's created you to be, you're defending old man. And old man stuck to the past and the generations have gone behind the past. And God is saying, will you be the generation that can set free from this? But yours may be similar or completely different from mine. To give you some of mine, my identity is to be lost in my doing. Boy, if I can just do more, and I see it, people see me, they don't have value, they'll recognize me, and really what happens is my identity is lost in what 
truly please you. You're never really going to fully be happy with me because it's completely impossible. And so I'm always floundering up and down, hills and valleys, wondering who's going to affirm me next. Well, that's not sin. Oh, it's collegiate sin. And it is sin because God is not God. You're idling affirmation. You're idling what people think about you. You're idling praise. You're idling other people's responses. You're idling attention. You're idling. Or I avoid a conflict at all costs until it just manifested into sin. I just bury it and bury it and bury it, and all of a sudden I've got a secret sin that I hope nobody finds out about. Or yours could be burying yourself in work or hobbies so that you don't have to deal with real issues. Or perfectionism. Or unwilling to receive help from others. Now I got it, I can do it on my own. If I can't do it on my own, I shouldn't be doing it. How about poor and conflict resolution? Maybe it's just all out sin. It's just blatant sin. How about gaining an opinion about somebody without relationally having a conversation with them to, grip, to, to grab true perspective? Maybe you grew up in a home that was very judgmental. And that's accepted. Like you can't even tell that you're judgmental. But nobody's perfect. Nobody's good enough for you. And nothing's good enough for you. And you always have a better idea. And you always have a better plan. And everybody should just listen to you. But you don't say anything. It all happens right here. These in themselves don't seem bad, but they are distractions from God's best. They cause us to live in reaction. And living in reaction from situations and, and, and wounds and hurts and generational cultures causes us not to follow God in the path that he's destined and he's created us for. Therefore, we're wondering why this path isn't blessed. How come he's, it's not blessing me according to what scripture says? And he's trying to just sit down with you and saturate with you and heal you. You ever heard this? Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. <laughs> he's trying to move us from a difference of living the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're the same tree. To the tree of life. We try to overcome our pain and our hurts and our familiar issues with, well, I'm going to do good. Same tree, still not God. He visits, he loves, would you just listen to me so we can overcome this thing for my sake and yours in this generation? And then he blesses. When we're willing to listen to him and, and allow those adjustments, we're not perfect. There's still a lot of mercy and grace. He's like, add a boy, add a girl. You know, let me do some change in your life and you release some stuff and then he blesses. Number three, he blesses. Because, we're, because of God's grace, which is finally secured in Christ, his children can confess the sins of theirs and the sins of those who have gone before them and find favor and find blessing and find grace. Leviticus 26, 40 and 42 says, but if they will confess their sins, and the sins of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness, and their hostility towards me, which made me hostile towards them, so that I sent them into the land of their enemies. Then, when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they pay for their sin, I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember, this is literally to bless the land. I 
begins to visit with God, he reveals to me the misalignments that stem from my previous decisions and the previous generations that have gone before me. I'm able to look back because of the little history that I know. Oh yeah, my dad's dad struggled with that. Oh yeah, my dad struggled with that. Oh yeah, my mom's an angel. She, I don't struggle with anything that she had. She doesn't remember that. <laughs> but this requires saturation time. And when I choose to enter that space so he can identify what needs to go, it actually attracts his blessing. Because I'm allowing him to take something that's taking up space from his presence and his favor, which abounds in his grace and his love so that he can give me insight for the direction that ultimately he wants me to have. So I'm being liberated from those, the oppression and the expectation and the cultural bondages and the family formation and I'm being delivered into my new family formation and my new guidance. I'm being delivered into the righteous path which God has called, created me, and destined for me. This is generational blessing. It's healing. Joel 1.3, tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. It's God's plan that we not only pass on what we've been set free from to our family of origin, but also now to, to, to our family in Christ. Blessings multiply whenever I begin to share with you what God has done in me, and I begin to help you with the things that he's comforted me in, and you begin to comfort others in the things that he's got, they comforted, God's comforted you in. We've comforted each other, and now blessings begin to flow all over my brothers, my sisters, my sons, my daughters, my mother, and my father. Everywhere. Because we're now listening to the Father. And now it's as important that you thrive as it is for my family, my immediate family to thrive. Now my value is placed on God's family and not just my own little servant. And now God can give me manna for you from heaven, not beyond just my own little servant. Now he blesses my house because I'm willing to bless his house. But the thing that... Family freedom only works if this, James 2.12 says this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law because freedom. <laughs> because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. The moment we start to judge something or someone, God says, oh, you're good at that? Let me lift my favor off of your life and covering so that you too can be judged by that in a similar situation. Let me just tell you a spiritual principle right here. The very thing that you start to judge in someone all of a sudden becomes your own sin. You give it some time, but it's going to start working into your soul and working into your temptations and working into your spirit and all of a sudden you're struggling with something that never was your struggle but because instead of showing mercy, you showed judgment towards another individual, it became yours. And God will begin to show you how to have mercy towards another individual who's struggling. Here's why. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So many parents were, oftentimes we're trying to discipline out ourselves, or discipline ourselves out of our children. No, you're not going to act like me. I'm going to teach that your mom. 
but yet you're struggling with it still yourself. It's still attributes of your character, but you just don't want it in them, but you haven't allowed God to take it from you. You haven't made time for God to begin to sit down with you and show you where that came from and what lies you believe and what hurts you're still carrying on to that he wants to heal and he wants to bring lead you towards forgiveness and restoration. So that it just, that problem just goes away, that character flaw just goes away, and that supernaturally, because the love of the Father mercifully comes in and gives you grace beyond measure. So then all of a sudden, when you allow that, it just naturally changes in the generation now. So I will punish anything in my children that I know looks like me. I let it hold me accountable to who I'm supposed to be. I'll dis I'll, I'll disciple, I'll discipline on dishonor. We're not having that. But I can't discipline something that I deal with. But when I allow the Lord to change it in me, the manifestation is it changes in them. So let me give you a prayer pattern. We give you several prayer patterns during this series. But I just want to give you one so that you can go home and you can confidently just have a pattern to pray with and watch the Lord just come in and say, hey, I've been trying to talk to you about this. Can we talk about that? Here's an app. I want to encourage you to download after service. Pray first app. You can go into your either one Google Play app store or play first. Pray first. I'm going to give you the, show you the Lord prayer. I'll show you this app on my phone. Boom. Call up Pray First. Pray First app. Several patterns of prayer here in your app. I'm going to model Lord's prayer. Whoops. Sorry. I'm going to model Lord's prayer. So if you're to click in that, it's going to come up with seven little prayer points. And it's based on the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name of you, God. But it broke down of the points within each part of that prayer. So, connecting with God relationally. Father, you're our Father. Well, it just starts to... At first, it's hard because you think, well, no, I've got a Father. you got a earthly Father, and He did this, this, and this, or He does this, this, and this, or He doesn't allow this, this, and this, or He doesn't like this, this, He thinks... But in Christ, we have to think beyond that. i got to learn to hear my Father. I gotta learn to know what my father thinks. I gotta learn to know what he wants for me. I gotta know what he says. Our father, you're my father. Our father, my father, who are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You're holy. You're worthy. You are my banner of victory. You are my provider. You are you are set apart above none, beyond none and above all. None are like you. I'm just following a prayer pattern. Pray as a gentle. Thank you. 
forgive me. And Lord, forgive I forgive others in the same way. Forgive me when I've hurt you, when I've ignored your voice, when I've failed to do what you've asked me to do, when I came up short, when I sinned, when I continued in the, the iniquities of the, of the generations past. Forgive me. And he literally is praying this and leads us to pray. And I, I want you to forgive me in the same way I forgive my other brothers and sisters. So if I hold forgiveness from them, Lord, would you hold forgiveness from me? That's the prayer. Lord, I want to be judged by the same level of forgiveness that I'm willing to give away. Isn't that a great prayer? Anybody pray that? And then he gave you spiritual warfare. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil to evil. And he's literally saying, Lord, there's going to be temptation coming my way. This is prayer for generational things. And Lord, there's, there's some temptations that I have. But Lord, would you just, would you just speak in those moments and put it up buffer zone that would give me enough awareness and enough time to say no and stop these things and, and practice your patterns of, of forgiveness and healing and repentance so that I don't continue in these things. Would you just allow my phone to ring to distract me from the temptations that I'm about to walk in? Would you do anything to lead me away from temptation? And then express your faith in God's ability for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and the glory forever. Father, I just want to be useful for you and yours. I know I may be bring glory back to your name because it's about you and it's not about my kingdom today. Lord, help me to apply your kingdom principles into the life that you called me into today so that your kingdom can be manifest on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, use me according to your will. That's a good prayer right there. You watch God